A Skeptic's Guide to the New Atheism. And as you're asking what's the difference between the old, I think that sounds pejorative, so classical atheism, and the uh, new atheism. Uh, it's not actually a name that they gave themselves. It was uh, Wired magazine um, that had carried an interview with uh, several of these guys that uh, dubbed it in, uh, the new uh, atheism. Stuff, yeah. Condemn not just belief in God, but respect for belief in God. Religion's not only wrong, it's evil. So, there's still plenty of atheists around who will say something like, well, of course, I think believing in God is wrong, I don't think there is a God, or I think it's unlikely there's a God. Um, it's an intellectually mistaken position, but um, lots of intelligent people hold it. You don't necessarily need to be mad or deluded or irrational, even, to believe in God. I just think it's wrong. And, um, you know, sometimes religion is obviously bad for people in society. Sometimes it seems to do them good. You know, if that's good for you, then that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. This is the kind of traditional, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Well, the new atheists. And they would say, "Well, if that's what you, if that's what you believe, that you you have the freedom to believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe." That's right. Because but I don't believe. But let's just sort of. Let's just agree to, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Yeah. That's all fine. That's all fine. Um, right. Particularly if you keep your religious beliefs private yeah. and don't try and bring them into the public yeah. uh, process of yeah. forming forming political. Laws or judgments yeah. of the public square. That's yeah. where things can get a little more difficult. Um, but a general sort of live and let live. The new atheists are not for live and let live. They are um, not only are you wrong to believe in God, you're probably stupid uh, or deluded to believe in God. And believing in God is obviously um, bad for you, bad for society. And what we really ought to do is try and get rid of religion because then the world will be a much better place. Um, because, you know, imagine a world without 9-11, you know, suicide bombers. Do they or... say that about Islam, then? Yes. They'll be a bit careful. They'll uh, find themselves being Oh, yeah, they're, you know, they're, 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 certainly they're not uh, mealy-mouthed or politically correct or, uh, no, it's, you know... The whole thing. The whole kitten caboodle. Um, and where do they come from? Where do they stem? And how long have they been around? So it was particularly... Um, obviously people like Richard Dawkins yeah. has been sort of over the years growing more sort of towards... Is he what, one of them? Yes, so this, that's Richard Dawkins there. Right, that's it. This is Sam Harris. Right. Uh, Daniel Dennett. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm Richard Dawkins I've heard of. Christopher Hitchens. Oh, yeah, because well, we've had that at the church. Yeah. Christopher Hitchens book. Yes, that's right. The God is Not Great book. Yeah. Um... Uh, A.C. So, Grayling, so, Victor Stenger, Michael Frey. But he's, he's the one, the one on the left. Yeah. He kind of started this all off. Uh, well, yes, ish. In, in terms of, he's been the atheist and he's sort of the leader of the movement, I think. Uh, and he's How been growing he? more sort of fundamentalist over, over the years and sort of in terms of fundamentalist like, atheism as sometimes it's expressed. Sorry, Pete, has this been like in the last ten years or do you think he's been wagging on about it a bit longer than that? Well, it was particularly 9-11. So it was when 9-11 happened, um, Sam Harris was the first to bring out a book um, that was very much of this. Not only, look, there you go, not only is religion an intellectually mistaken position, it's evil. It leads people to do evil things and the world will be much better if we can get rid of religion. 
Um, and then uh, over the next few years, um, a series of, of uh, books by people like Dawkins, The God Delusion, Christopher Hitchens, God is Not Great, uh, and so on, came out and sort of expressed this new, new more sort of um, belligerent, um, let's take on religion in the public square kind of atheism, which got dubbed the new atheism. So it really sort of peaked in sort of 2005, 2006, 2007. That was the sort of heyday of the, the movement sort of launching itself with all of these... Oh, it's quite recent. Academics, really. yeah. American in English and a few French kind of academics releasing I their books. and books that have become best yeah. TV series and TV series. debates and lectures and bus mm-hmm. posters and... Adverts and all sorts. Yes, with 9-11, it wasn't religion. I mean, if you took religion out of the world... Yes. Terrorism would still happen. Yes. They're just using religion as an umbrella, as an excuse. But bad things would still happen. Well, well... People would still do bad things, wouldn't they? I, I agree with you there, but their, their viewpoint on it is that um, there's something about religion which particularly means that religious people are going to be um, susceptible to doing evil things without thinking about it very much. Well, it's not bleak, isn't it, when you think of the, the great, mm. awful people of the 20th century, Stalin, mm. Mm. Yeah. Religion wasn't big there, was it? No. Although, they, 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 the New Atheists will say things like, um, yeah, but Hitler was, was baptised into the, into the church and he never, never had himself unbaptised or... Um, and, and anyway, anyway, um, you know, Pol Pot wasn't our sort of atheist, and, and that's he, he was, you know, that Marxism. That's practically religious, isn't it? All that veneration and so on, and the, the state. You know, that's a sort of religious mm. form of atheism. It's not proper atheism. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> so any, anything any religious person does gets blamed on religion, and anything nasty that an atheist person does gets blamed on something else other than their atheism. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wrong sort of leaves on the line. You know, it, it really is a bit like that. Um, yeah, so Christopher Hitching, this sums it up nicely, uh, as does the sort of attitude of this photograph of him. Um, I not only maintain that religion is a version of the same untruth, but religion's belief is positively harmful. Mm. Right. Um, uh, perhaps like smoking. Um, yes. a, you know, it's a positive harm to society, and rather than you know, some people used to say, oh, you know, live and let live, it's, it's your choice to smoke, yes. that's fine, do it in the prophecy. Yeah. No, what we ought to do is, is, is ban smoking and, you know, and put taxes up yeah. on it, and we, we ought to actually be against it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, um, now, here's the, here's the nub. Um, religion is a surrender of reason in favour of faith. This is what's the problem with all religion. They say, okay... Sure, you have your extremist fundamentalist sort of suicide bomber religion on the one hand, and sure, you have your more tea vicar, would you like to come to the garden fate kind of Anglicanism on the other sort of extreme of religion, but even the more tea vicar Anglicanism is committed to faith and creating a space in public where it's respectable to have faith rather than being committed to reason. And of course, if, you're, if you reject reason in favour of faith, you're very gullible and you'll be very susceptible to people saying things like, hey, if you put on this suicide vest and go over there and blow yourself up, you'll get 20 virgins or whatever it is when you go to heaven. I promise. Off you go. You know, 
because, well, what are you going to do? Argue with them about it? You're not committed to arguing or basing your beliefs and your actions on, on reason because you're a person of faith. Well, okay, maybe that's what some religions mean by faith. And maybe that's how some Christians act as if faith meant. But that's certainly not what the Bible means by faith. Um, And it's certainly not an opposition that the uh, great thinkers of the church all the way back to the apostles and Jesus himself uh, would recognise this distinction between are you a person of reason or are you a person of faith? And it's this, you know, you need a wall of never the twain shall meet in order for the new atheists to sort of be right about this. At the heart of all religion is this thing that's potentially this evil sort of lurks, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And they say it's one or the other. Um, So they say that the core of even the the most outwardly nice kind of theism um, is an immoral commitment to to flouting your intellectual responsibilities because that's what it means to be religious according to them Mm. sorry could you go back Mm. I was just trying to read that Mm. so Daniel Dennett goes on nice long sprees about um how if you're religious you're revered for your capacity to shield your mind from factual knowledge imperviousness to reason is the property we should most fear in religion um, only religion demands this as a sacred duty so you've noticed you know when graham gets up in church on a sunday and demands of us all the sacred duty of being irrational um it's a, it's a regular occurrence in our church isn't it um <laughs> it's like what churches has this guy been to um you know well, people, um, some people are susceptible to being led. Well, we mm. are susceptible in our human, something in our humanness. Yes. That means we can be led, and I'm thinking of cults now. Yeah. You know, and led to abandon mm. reason yeah. to do really quite ridiculous things. Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. And I would totally agree. psyche, isn't there? But what the new atheists do is they'll they'll take and a typical sort of Richard Dawkins documentary on TV would be to take to interview a number of cult members or oh, fringe d- and, and use and, that as mainstream. Yeah, this is mainstream. Right, there you go. That's what religion Instead is. Of just out of the normal churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't. I don't know whether they cover, you know, the vast tracts of humanity that don't actually you know, use the powers of reason mm. to work out a philosophy of life. You know, that what do they think of, of that great tranche of humanity? You just, mm. you, most people, they're uninterested no. in religion or anything else. Yes. They're just getting on with their they're lives. They're just getting yeah. on with their lives. Working Making doing sure. their garden and their DIY. Yeah, exactly. Or pursuing their hobbies. Yeah. 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 Or going to football. Or, yeah, you know, and not even thinking. Because actually, shopping. that is a lot of people. That's mm. why we struggle to talk about spiritual things with people, because yeah. they're not... No. People are more apathetic towards religious ideas rather yeah. than actually thinking about them. Yeah. At least yeah. for religious, exactly. you tend to think about them, don't yes. you? Yeah. yeah, that that that, that sort of point is not, you know, even... they wouldn't recognise that kind yeah. of a point. No. Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting one. Not doing anything evil. 
well, well. according to their <laughs> according their view of their, yeah, yeah that's right religious people that are doing yes the obviously evil things it's yeah it's very interesting that because they they're, they're completely um, distancing themselves from the colossal amount of good mm, mm. done by religious groups. Yeah, well, you know, that's kind of begrudging. Sam Harris, for example, will say, you know, uh, religious people do do a lot of good, but is it really necessary to believe in things without evidence in order to do all this good? Couldn't yes, okay. why couldn't you just be good even if you're not really? Yeah, yes. uh, are you saying you wouldn't be good if you didn't believe yeah. that God was up in the sky going to beat you around the head if you weren't good? And mm. you know, it, that surely that's just grovelling. This is. Uh, you're saying, I'm not going to be good unless there's a big policeman in the sky waiting to threaten me. You know, that's not a very moral way of constructing your... That's how the kind of rhetoric would, would go. Yeah. So, um, the apologist's favourite verse from the Bible, 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an, an answer. Apologia in the Greek, answer. Rational defence. To everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope, with do it with gentleness and respect. They, they just... They don't take cognizance of, of any kind of evidence of what the Bible really defines uh, so the importance of faith or reason. Uh, no, this is the apologist's oh, favourite verse. This, they, 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 I think they've never heard of this verse. Yeah, that yes, uh, if they knew about it, which they haven't bothered to, mm. you know, <laughs> discover that this is in the Bible or that things like this are littered throughout the Bible. Because um, that doesn't fit their caricature of what faith is meant to to be about. Uh, so there's a, John Lennox is a Christian um, professor at Oxford. It says the new atheists are classic examples of the very thing they despise. They're characterised by the blind faith that all faith is blind faith. And the very fact that we have to qualify when you're talking about faith, you know, do you have blind faith in something? Like, well. Why is there a difference to, to add blind in front of the word faith if faith, as the new atheists portray it, is sort of automatically mm. blind faith? Um, the new atheists only recognise one type of faith, blind faith. Um, and they do this uh, in the teeth of overwhelming evidence to the contrary that that's not the only kind of faith that there is and that's not what um, the biblical Christian tradition means by faith. Um, mm. what? <laughs> sort of picking up on happier those, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Mm. They do pick. They do try and pick yeah, up on this. I mean, I, I, yes. I know that's not quite the point that's being made. Yeah. I, I don't think I quite understood that bit about blind faith. So the new atheists, they're, they're defining faith. They say what it means to have faith is to have blind faith. Is to believe without paying attention to the reason or evidence. That's what faith is. Yeah. So they think what faith people have got is a blind faith. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they've got um, blind faith in that. But why have they got blind faith in that? Because um, they ignore all of the evidence that says that's not the only type of faith that there is. That's not what Christians mean by faith. Mm, yeah. um, they've how, got a, their own narrow view yeah. of what Christians or a religious group do yes, by faith. That's and right. Is it itself a blind yeah. approach? Yeah. That they're not being. What they're criticising others of, yes. they actually, they actually can be guilty of themselves, themselves yeah. of not using reason. Yeah, because if they were, if they were so, if they really were concerned to pay attention to evidence and reason and so on, they'd notice that the Bible says things like, 
always be prepared to give a rational defence for the belief that you have, um, and that that doesn't square with defining biblical faith as blind faith. Um, how can it be blind if you can give a reason for it? Um, you know, <laughs> um, this is John Lennox mentions they don't, don't even bother to consult dictionaries, for example. If you consult you know, um, Miriam Webster's dictionary, yeah, one of the sub-definitions of what faith can be used to mean is firm belief in something for which there's no proof. But the new atheists behave as, as if um, that definition were, were all that the word could mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, and ignore the rest of it. That's, that, that wouldn't help our case. Well, focus on that one thing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So they've got this sort of tunnel vision. Don't, don't confuse me with the rest of the things that the word can mean. Um, that wouldn't be helpful. A.C. <laughs> um, uh, Grayling, lovely photo of him here. And, uh, faith involves deliberate ignoring of evidence or commitment despite lack of evidence. That's just what it means. It's like, no, it isn't. Uh, Richard Dawkins, faith is blind trust. Slightly younger, yeah. Uh, in the absence of even the teeth of evidence. You know, that's, that's just what it means. No. Um, so that's a bit of a long quote from J.P. Morland, but basically saying, no, the, the biblical tradition claims to be a knowledge tradition. Faith um, kind of means trust. And um, this thing of philosophers will distinguish between what we call um, uh, faith that and faith in. So have you got faith that uh, this cordial drink is uh, not, is non-poisonous. Do you believe that this, that, that yeah. statement's true? Well, that's one thing. Will you, will you demonstrate your faith in the non-poisonous nature of the cordial drink? Well, to do that, you'd have to not only say, yes, I believe that it's not poisonous. You, exactly. So you, you then, you put your trust in the thing by actually mm. relying on it in some way, depending on it, trusting in it. Mm. Um, and it's this combination of faith that and faith in or trust uh, that is really a sort of better definition of what faith in the mainstream religious tradition kind of faith, means. From our point of view, requires a response. But yes. I say that faith um, is just a lack of reason. Yeah. Whereas this, you could say... Thing, because you're saying that you can look at the drink and think, I believe that that is poisonous. <clears throat> That's just something in your brain. Thought. Yes. But if you actually drink it, you are actually responding. That's right. With and an action. With an action. And I could, it could be that I've got lots of good reasons and evidence for thinking that the drink is not poisonous. Yeah. I could have done a lot of forensic science on it. I could know the person who's made it for me yeah. and trust, have good reasons for trusting them and so on. Yeah. So I, all of the sort of reasoning and so on could attach to the, the belief that, the faith that... Um, and then it's another thing to say, I'm going to, and I'm personally going to commit myself to, to it in some, in some way. And there's nothing inherently anti-rational about that. Uh, is there? And it's obviously perfectly compatible with having lots of reasons for believing that the drink is, is not poison. Um, yeah. So, okay, good. I think a, a really good way of just talking to those outside of the theological tradition, as it were, is not to use the word faith, mm. to say trust. I have trust in Jesus. I have trust in God. 
which immediately invites the question, you know, why? And you say, well, here's why. You know, um, because he's, and they've got lots of reasons for thinking he's trustworthy, mm. such as, you know, and then you're into a discussion without this sort of faith word coming up. Um, ironically, Sam Harris, this is a quote from Sam Harris here, does a little bit of a word study into what's the meaning of the words in the Hebrew and the Greek in the Bible for faith. Um, and he points out that you can translate them to have faith, to believe, or to trust. Uh, and it's the same with the, the Greek words in the New Testament. Uh, and then he seems to completely sort of forget uh, all of that when he is talking about the, the evils of, of faith and so on. And the New Atheists seem to have this, as we were saying, this sort of blinkered uh, view. Uh, they're so prejudiced about what faith means that they just can't take on board information that contradicts their settled view um, of it. So Sam Harris, even though he's just done this word study, and what do the words mean in the original languages? He'll then say things like, well, Hebrews 11.1 defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Read in the right way, he says, i.e. read in completely the wrong way, uh, <laughs> this passage seems to render faith entirely self-justifying, so entirely independent of reason or evidence or, or anything. It's just, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So you've not got evidence for it, therefore. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, so that's not a good verse to use. Because they, because they misunderstand it out of context. You have to show them the context to say that they will use that as a sort of proof verse for this is his proof from the Bible. Verses, that personally, I, I love that piece. Yeah. So how do you respond to someone who takes that out of context? Yeah. Put it in context. And what is the right context? Yes, because obviously it goes on and he talks about all the different people that have had faith, haven't they, through biblical history, but. Oh, we're going on to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see, can it? So, first of all, first of all, I'd say, well, it would be odd if this one verse had a definition of, of what it was to have faith or trust or belief in God, completely at variance with the constant biblical theme about the importance of reason and evidence in trusting and believing in God. And here are a selection of verses from the Old and New Testament, from Paul and Peter and Jesus and, and Samuel and <laughs> Isaiah on that constant biblical theme. So that's sort of the, the background radiation, of, if you like, of the biblical view that reason and evidence is actually quite important in relating uh, to God. So here's the context. This is the verses just before the Hebrews 11 verse. Remember those early days after you'd received the light, when you endured in great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, because you knew, you knew, that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. And he's clearly talking about our, our possessions eternal. in Christ, eternal. eternal. Yeah. yeah, obviously. So, do not throw away your confidence, your trust in. It will be richly rewarded in heaven by Christ, etc. You need to persevere in your believing so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Mm -hmm. You're trusting that God will fulfil his promises, which is, of course, 
not at variance with thinking you've got good reasons to think that God will fulfill his promises. You're facing this persecution and so on. You know, being torn to shred by lions in the arena, etc., etc., um, because but there is an eternal purpose in all of these uh, yeah, things. and you know this because you've heard the message of the resurrection of Christ and you've got the witnesses and you know all of the the evidence uh, provided in the New Testament that we have today for that then now faith is being sure of what you see in that context it's the fulfilment of the promises about in Hebrew 10.36 yeah. that Hebrew 11.1 1 has it clearly has in mind. Faith is being sure of what you don't yet see, i.e. the fulfilment of God's promises about what he'll give you in eternal life if you can keep trusting him in the time of persecution here and now. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says that a consequence of faith in God is trusting him to deliver on his promise of heaven. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, what we hope for without needing to see the fulfilment of that promise in the present time. Of course, you don't see the promise of heaven fulfilled now whilst you're being persecuted. <laughs> uh, so you're, uh, because, because you have faith, you're certain of what we do not see, i.e. what we don't see yet. But we're trusting that God will, that we will see that. So it's all about trust. Trust. Mm. Um, but there's nothing in there that says, and by the way, don't any of you think you ought to have any reasons for your trust? Or, you know, that's just to read, completely to read into the text what is not there. Uh, on the basis of assuming what you know that faith means, believing without trust. But that's just not the biblical background. Um, indeed, here's a, a little bit more word study. So, now faith, uh, this is in the Greek, pistis, is the assurance, hypostasis, of things hoped for, the conviction, elekos, of things not seen. In Greek mythology, and we have a lovely painting here, uh, pistis was the spirit of trust, honesty and good faith. From the story of Pandora's box. Uh, and the spirit of pistis, when Pandora opens the, the box, which is, don't, you know, don't open the box, and she can't resist, and she looks in the box, various things escape from the box, including Pistis, which escapes to heaven, abandoning mankind and leaving us with all the ills of the world in the Greek myth. And the Roman name of the spirit Pistis uh, was Fide, uh, from which we get the English word faith through the Latin. So it's trust, spirit of trust. Sorry, so Fide comes from Latin? From the Latin, yeah. What, what before that, did you say? Well, it's the, the, so it's the Latin translation of the Greek pistis. Right. It's the same Gosh. meaning, um, the spirit of trust. So, pist, in, in philosophy, we, we'll talk about, um, there's an area of philosophy which deals with how we know things and what is knowledge and so on. It's called epistemology, thinking about how we know stuff. Yeah. Um, pistis, Greek. So now faith, pistis, the spirit of trust, faith, fide, is the assurance, hypostasis. The Greek word hypostasis, or assurance, commonly appears in ancient business documents, where it means a covenant uh, in an exchange of assurances. We're making a business contract. We're exchanging assurances to one another. 
that guarantee the future transfer of possessions. So I'm drawing up a contract with you that says, if you give me that, I will give you these. I've signed it, you've signed it, that's now legally binding. If I fail to fill my, you know, to fulfill the contract, you can sue me. Yeah. And you can prove that I've not lived up, you know. Hypostasis, the assurance. You've got evidence that you could show to the court. Yeah. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, elekos. The Greek word elekos, rendered conviction, conveys the idea of think, bringing forth evidence that demonstrates something. And interestingly enough, there's a sort of slight um, tinge to the meaning, particularly means evidence that demonstrates something that's contrary to what appears superficially to be the case. So something appears superficially to be the case, um, but you've got evidence that shows that that is a mistaken appearance and actually something else is the case. Um, So at the moment in our time of persecution and suffering, it might appear to you to be the case that God's abandoned you, but we've got evidence that that is a superficial appearance and God hasn't abandoned us and he will fulfil his promises because we've got a legal contract that gives us evidence that our trust is not misplaced. So when you look again, you look into the words in this verse that he rips out of that context of Hebrews 10, clearly he, you know, he's making it mean completely the opposite of what it actually means uh, because of his set idea about what, what it means to have religious faith. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith means sticking to the covenant between God and believer in the, the rationally warranted or evidenced expectation that God will bring his promises to completion and such faith bears witness to the reason for the hope that the Christian has. Why, why are you not giving in? Why are you being persecuted rather than saying, yes, okay, Caesar is Lord? Mm. Why would you do that? Oh, well, obviously, because I've just screwed my eyes up and I've decided to have blind faith. <laughs> um, not an answer that a first or second century Christian would have given, I think. Someone mentioned uh, the story of Doubting Thomas earlier. They do. Um, So Sam Harris as well. He misinterprets the story of Doubting Thomas as demonstrating, as he said, that ignorance is the true coinage of the the realm of religion. Quote, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Proof text. They are, faith is all about blind faith. Of course, this is from the gospel where Jesus himself um, commends people who believe without demanding to see for themselves the evidence of the resurrection. But he doesn't commend those who believe without evidence. There's a a difference here. Because Doubting Thomas has been confronted with ten of his best mates all giving him evidence as eyewitnesses. You know, uh, I think... I've got pretty good reasons for believing in the resurrection of Jesus, but I haven't got ten people that I personally have known for at least three years all giving me their personal eyewitness testimony directly. You know, okay, that's a stronger level of evidence than I have, but that doesn't mean that I think I've got no evidence. 
And Jesus is basically saying it's rational to believe in my resurrection on the basis of the evidence that's available without demanding that you yourself be an eyewitness, which is what Thomas was demanding. Yes. Yes. He didn't criticise any of the other ones. No. Exactly. Bingo. Good point. How could it be that the whole point of the story of doubting Thomas is to condemn, is to praise faith that's not based on any evidence when the majority of people in the story are people who only believe in the resurrection because they've got eyewitness evidence (laughs) because they've met him Mm. and these are the founders of the church Um, that would be sort of an odd way to make the point wouldn't it Um, yes uh, A.C. Grading talks about the theological virtue of of, uh, blind faith from the doubting Thomas is designed to illustrate and so on and that just doesn't really fit John's Gospel, I was going to say, Jesus himself in John's Gospel affirms evidence-based belief. In John 14, 11, he says, uh, believe on the evidence of the miracles. Yeah. So, again... Maybe everybody at some point, you know, when they've chosen to follow the Christian life, <coughs> will say that there was something... There was something that influenced that decision. Yeah. It might have been an experience, a Holy Spirit experience. It mm. might have what they've seen, the love they've seen in another person. I mean, yeah. it, it could be all sorts yeah, of things, yeah. couldn't it? But it, it's unlikely to come without some reason. That's right. They're going to have some reason yeah. why they came to faith, aren't they? And it would be one thing, it would be one thing if the atheists were saying, oh, I don't think that's a good enough reason. Mm. Or I think that's a bad reason for having faith. They're just saying we don't have any reason. That's right. They're saying... By definition, what it means to be a Christian is to lack any reasons at all. It's just clearly do not they, true. Do they qualify reason as being scientific evidence, something much more scientific mm. than just believing miracles that are written about in the Bible? Because they would say, well, the Bible, maybe they'd say, well, all that stuff is wrong. Do you know what I mean? We say, oh, yeah. the miracles in the Bible are part of the evidence yes. of... Uh, you're partly right in that they, they do have a very, as I was going on to show, they have a very narrow view of what would count as reason and evidence. They've got such a narrow view that it ends up contradicting itself indeed. Um, but, but even, again, if they were saying, oh, but, you know, just because the Bible records it, that's not a good enough reason. But they're not saying that. They're, they're saying it means by definition to have no reason, not to think that you don't have a reason. They're not criticising us for thinking mistakenly that we've got sufficient reason. No. They're criticising us for, for for saying, let's all believe without evidence. And let's all believe in the face of, of overwhelming con- contrary evidence. Because that's what faith means. And it's a virtue. And it's, it's proven that that's a virtue by misreading the you know, Hebrews 11 or the story of uh, Doubting Thomas in which Jesus offers himself for empirical examination and um, the other disciples are saying, we've seen the Lord, and so on. And John portrays, as you say, the other disciples believing on the basis of evidence, and that doesn't seem to be sort of talked down to. And indeed, the reason that the author of John itself, that John's Gospel itself gives for reporting the story of Doubting Thomas... uh, is this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may have blind faith, 
No, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing. No, I've given you, I've written down this evidence to help you believe. <laughs> That's the express point of the Gospel of John. And then the new atheists come along and say, let's, let's rip out a verse out of context and say the whole point of this verse is to extol the virtue of blind faith. Clearly, <laughs> they have a blind faith in what blind faith means. I love this. So this is a set, then this little section. And I can't go back to C.S. Lewis. I've just written a book on C.S. Lewis. It was C.S. Lewis versus the New Atheists, and it'll be out in February next year. Um, and that was a real joy to research and write. Because of course, Lewis himself used to be an atheist, and lots of the New Atheists went to Oxford and studied under people that were colleagues of Lewis's at the time. I think so. There's all sorts of interesting connections. But anyway, uh, Lewis says faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted, in spite of your changing moods. Now that I'm a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. But when I was an atheist, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. (laughs) Unless you teach your moods where to get off, you can never be a sound Christian or even a sound atheist, but just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs really dependent on the weather and the state of its digestion. (laughs) It's lovely. Um, If we wish to be rational, we must pray for the gift of faith, for the power to go on believing, not in the teeth teeth of reason but in the teeth of lust and terror and jealousy and boredom and indifference that which reason authority or experience or all three have once delivered us for for the truth i don't understand that last little bit but i understood the rest of it okay from but the bit about the teeth of reason but the teeth of lust yeah okay so if we wish to be rational we must pray for the gift of faith That is, for the power to go on believing what we believe, not to go on believing in the teeth of reason to the contrary, but to go on believing uh, in the teeth of, despite things like lust and terror and jealousy and boredom, things that would tempt us to abandon what we know is true, but not to trust. Yeah, he gives a lovely example. He says, I, I know rationally that um, anaesthetics work. And if I were on, but if I were going to go under the knife on the operating table, even though I know that anaesthesia works, that doesn't mean that as the mask is approaching my face, I might not have a moment of panic yeah. where I fear that it won't work. Or that it'll knock me out and I'm going to feel pain anyway. And that's an irrational fear. Because so many other people have had operations and they say, yeah, it worked, I didn't have any pain. It's, you know, I know this is a well-established medical scientific, it's proven that it works. But I have to not jump off and struggle against the, the nurse and so on by exercising faith in what I know on the grounds of good reason to be something that's going to work and he says that that's like having faith in God do you know about how C.S. Lewis came to faith yes I mean, and how old he was and why and... yeah uh, but well, that would be a talk for another evening or <laughs> yes it's quite a long story yeah it's not a yeah it wasn't a straightforward uh, thing Right, maybe it be uh, yes, that's easy, right. Okay. So, 
I would say not only are the new atheists wrong about what faith is, and they say, you know, religion is, is faith and faith is this and they're wrong about this, but by contrast they say, and we're, we're for reason and rationality rather than faith, and we're the ones to sort of rally around and we need to be reasonable and rational and, and against faith therefore but actually their defense of rationality their understanding of what it is to be reasonable is profoundly unreasonable and anti-rational in a number of ways uh so here's sam harris he says while believing strongly without evidence is considered a mark of madness or stupidity in any other area of our lives faith in god still holds immense prestige in our society well, it's not too difficult to come up with examples where it's perfectly rational to believe things where you couldn't have any evidence in that sort of scientific sense for it. So, for example, um, doubting that the universe is older than five minutes old. Bertrand Russell once said, I suppose it's possible that the universe is, only came into existence five minutes ago. It's just that when it came into existence, it came into existence complete with false memories in our brains of events that didn't ha- didn't happen yesterday because there wasn't a yesterday. The memory was created five minutes ago, but we th- we'd think that something happened yesterday if we had this false memory that came into existence five minutes ago. So, how would you tell the difference? scientifically as it were empirically between a world that came into existence five minutes ago complete with false memories and cars that were partly rusted and trees that have got lots of rings in them from from years that never happened all of the evidence would be identical whether or not the universe had lasted for thousands and thousands and thousands and millions and billions of years or had come into existence five minutes ago with every appearance of great age. There's absolutely no way you can tell the difference between those two kind of worlds, as it were, on the basis of evidence. And yet, don't we all know that the rational thing to believe is that there was a yesterday? The world wasn't created five minutes ago, was it? We all know. This is the only... Indeed, if we met someone who was sincerely convinced that the world had been created five minutes ago, they would be the person that we'd treat as insane. And yet Sam Harris says... Uh, yeah. While believing strongly without evidence is considered a mark of madness and stupidity in any other area of life when it comes to believing in God, blah, blah, blah. He's just wrong. (laughs) Just wrong about how he's defining what it is to be rational by restricting it to you're only rational if you believe things on the basis of evidence. Just wrong. Um, Here's another way of thinking about it sort of infinite regress of of reasons stretching back into the past. The demand, if you demand that everything be justified by some reason or evidence before you believe it, before you count it as rational to believe, well, that would entail an infinite regress of reasons and evidence that could never be met. 
You'd say, it's, I, I'm only rational to believe something if I've got a good reason or evidence for believing it. Okay. But then let me think about the, um, the reality of this reason or evidence, or the claim that this reason or evidence really does support this truth claim. I shouldn't believe that until I've got good reason or evidence for believing that it's real and it really does support the truth claim. But of course I shouldn't believe that evidence or reason until I've got evidence or reason for believing it. But of course I shouldn't believe that evidence or reason until I've got evidence... (laughs) Dig, 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 dig. You're just digging yourself into into an infinite pit of... (laughs) I can't get anywhere, I'm just digging myself deeper. You know... Um, this writer, and I will reveal to you who this author is once I've read the quote, is much, you know, he's, he's more on the ball when it comes to thinking through more carefully what it is to be reasonable. Talking about intuition and the place of intuition in reasoning. So intuition denotes the most basic constituent of our faculty of understanding. So in, intuiting things as being true or false is really important in our being reasonable. While it's true that in matters of ethics, it is no less true in science that intuition is important, uh, when we can break our knowledge of a thing down no further, this uh, irreducible leap that remains is intuitively taken. The uh, The traditional opposition between reason and intuition is a false opposition. Reason is itself intuitive to the core. As any judgment that a proposition is reasonable or logical relies uh, um, on intuition. So the basic laws of logic that you have to follow in order to construct a, a logically valid argument. How do you know that those basic laws of logic are true and reliable and trustworthy? Well, you couldn't say, well, I'm not going to believe that they're reliable and trustworthy until you give me a logically valid argument proving that they're reliable and trustworthy. Because, of course, in, in trying to construct some sort of argument to show that the laws of logic are reliable, I'd have to use them. <laughs> so I'd have to assume the truth of the thing I was setting out to prove. I'd have to be relying on the thing I was trying to end up with Um, you just have to see you have to intuit that the law of non-contradiction is true for example the point I trust says this author is obvious we can't step out of the darkness without taking a first step and reason without knowing how understands this axiom if it would be uh, if it's able to understand anything at all the reliance on intuition therefore should be no more discomforting for the the ethicist talking about ethical issues than it has been for physics this author seems to be much more generous in their understanding what it is to be rational and it's an understanding of what it is to be rational that's not self-contradictory unlike those that sort of narrow view that we had from Sam Harris. The interesting thing about this quote is that it's from Sam Harris. So atheists are not wrong all the time. Um, He's just wrong when it seems to suit him for his purposes of attacking religion. (laughs) 
when he's not narrowly focused on, oh, I'm attacking religion as being irrational and being blind faith and stuff, he actually seems to say things about what it is to be reasonable. Well, actually, is he a philosopher, then? He's, yeah, he's, he's, he did study some philosophy at university. He's a neuroscientist. Uh, his PhD is in neuroscience. Um, but he's got some undergraduate philosoph- philosophical training. I'm not thinking that philosophy is, is going to be based on axioms. I'm just thinking the thing I sort of know a little bit about is, mm. is maths. Yeah. And, and Euclid, all his blood, he had, I think there were five axioms, yeah. one of which was in, in the end, Bruce Mm. But, but everything was constructed. But you, you had to start yeah. with some axioms. Certainly in logic, which is very much like pure maths, yes. that's, that's the case. So as I was saying about, there are certain laws of what makes a logically valid argument where that is an argument where if the, the premises are all true, the truth claims in the argument are true, then the conclusion would also be true. Yeah. Uh, what what follows from what and so on. There's certain rules that tell you that. And, of course, you can't use arguments to prove that those rules are the sensible. You just have... You just kind of see, like, see, you know. Um, uh, no... Um, tr- no... Uh, proposition can be both true and false in the sa- at the same time in the same sense. Yeah. Um, but that's axiom, isn't it? That's ax- just axiomatic, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you say, well, I'm sceptical about that, could you give me an argument? <laughs> like, well, not really, no. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but even to question it, you'd have to rely on it as well. Yeah. Um, but to prove it, I'd have to rely on it. Both of us just surely we, we just recognise it. That, yeah. That's and that, that's there comes a certain point where you know to every toddler saying, "But why, mummy?" You do have to say, "Just because." <laughs> you <know>? um, <laughs> there has to be a ground somewhere. Yeah. And there are also self-contradictory. I think when it comes to um, big long word, thinking about the nature of people and reasoning, um, this will be a bit shorter. But Sam Harris in particular. Um, he's a determinist, someone who believes there's no no real free will. There's no free will of the kind that means that when you choose between apparent options, that the choice is really up to you in a way that makes you morally responsible and blameworthy or praiseworthy for what you chose. Because everything, everything is just this big material system and it's like one domino falls over and causes the next domino to fall over, and none of the dominoes is sitting there saying, "No, oh, I don't fancy falling over today, thanks. I think I'll uh, I'll keep standing up. That's my choice." You know, they just do what they have to do. And since matter is all that there is, and people are just chunks of matter interacting with lots of other chunks of matter according to the rules of physics, where would you get something like free will from? So you know? choice is just an illusion? It's an illusion. You may think you have choices. We, you may have this feeling that you have choices and so on, but you don't really. Yeah, no one's, no one has choices. No one's praiseworthy or blameworthy choices in that sense. in the context of... Anything. Or anything. Anything. Anything at all. There's no, tr- no such thing. Free will is nowhere to be found, he says. Um, human goodness and human evil are the product of natural events. If we view people as neuronal weather patterns, so sort of like, um, it's like 
trying to predict the weather. You can't predict the weather because it's so complicated, but it's all just one thing causing another thing. And our brains are just these interactions. It's very, very complicated. I can't predict what you're going to do because you're so complicated, but you're, you're just a physical system behaving according to the laws of physics, one thing causing another thing. There's no such thing as responsibility. How can we coherently speak about morality, he says. Given naturalism, he says, every action is clearly reducible to a totality of impersonal events merely propagating their influence. Genes are transcribed, neurotransmitters bind to their receptors, muscle fibres contract, and John Doe pulls the trigger on his gun. Okay? That's his view as a naturalist. And if I started with the same assumption about the nature of the world, I think I'd be driven to the same conclusion that there's no such thing as free will. I think the only get-out clause is to say but people aren't just physical systems behaving according to the laws of physics. Mm. There's more to the world, there's more to what a person is mm. than just a bunch of neurons, you know. So naturalism, that's a type of philosophy, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so that's a view of, of what kind of things are real. And basically you have naturalism that says material, physical, natural world type things are the only type of things that are real. And supernaturalism that says naturalism's wrong. There's something, there's at least one thing that's real that's not physical, material, it's supernatural. And of course there's all sorts of ideas about what those things might be. So these new atheists tend to be naturalists. They're naturalists, yeah, that's right. And naturalism and atheism tend to go hand in hand. Of course, there are some Buddhists who are, who are atheists who... And when you're talking about pantheism, as we, we were earlier, you're talking about, an, if you're talking about an impersonal God, if there's no difference between God and the universe, what is there really any difference between saying, yeah, the whole universe is God, and saying, yeah, God is just the material, physical universe, and that's all there is. Mm. It's quite a tricky question. But let me put the dilemma like this. Free will and rationality. And remember, the whole core of the New Atheist critique of religion is that it's abandoning your intellectual responsibilities by having blind faith rather than reason, which you shouldn't do. It's very naughty, because it leads you to doing evil things, like (laughs) blowing up other people, Okay. Question, if everything about a person is governed by the laws of physics, blaming them for their intellectual failings, or for blowing up people, whatever, such as, say, having blind faith, which would be an intellectual failing, surely makes as much sense as Newton blaming, in a morally responsible kind of way, gravity for giving him an apple-sized bump on the head. Not just saying, what caused the apple to hit me? It was gravity, but... Bump. Oh, that was very naughty gravity. You shouldn't have done that. Mm. Blaming it. Um, So how can anyone, for example, a Christian, be responsible for not living up to their intellectual obligations, as the New Atheists uh, allege, if they aren't free to be responsible for anything in the first place? Um, Answer, they can't, surely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, these two elements of typical new atheist thinking don't really seem to fit together um, third incoherence um, what about what about this criticism that we're, we're not living up to our responsibilities that we shouldn't do that, that it's wrong that religion leads people to do things that are evil 
remembering that the new atheists are offering in, in place of a religious worldview a materialistic worldview. What do they mean by evil here? Um, A.C. Grayling, in his parody of the Bible, The Good Book, A Secular Bible, um, that book says, It is our attitudes to things that gives them their value, whether good or bad or indifferent. So things aren't good or bad in and of themselves. Whether things are good or bad depends upon our attitudes to them. So if we're the Nazis and we think that Jews are terrible people and the world would be a much better place if we got rid of six million or so of them, that would make the Holocaust a good thing. Because whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing depends on our attitudes. Right. You know, it's good for us. It's bad for the Jews. Of course, their attitudes towards it would be very different. But hey, that's just their attitude. Of course, we've got different attitudes. But it's not as if you could say there's some sort of transcendent standard of inherent goodness. No absolute of what is good or bad, to which we can compare ourselves and say, well, I thought that the Holocaust was good, but obviously I was wrong about that because I've fallen short of the standard. Yes. Well, so what we have around is how they're criticising us for yeah. a immoral That's right. They're saying, don't be religious, that's immoral to have blind faith or to kill people because you're a suicide block. And what do you mean by immoral? You mean you don't. Oh, you mean you just you don't happen to like it? So what? You know, if that's all the claim is, they seem to be saying that there's something wrong about it. It seems to have this sort of weight of a sort of criticism that means I well, I really ought to change my behaviour, and so on. Um, Richard Dawkins famously said, "The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose. So there's no creature, no evil, no good." Nothing but pitiless indifference of the machine of the universe just grinding on and doing its thing. And if you get in the way of the cogs, you'll get hurt. But hey, that's life. Um, He says there's a non-overlapping, exhaustive distinction between ideas that are false or true about the real world, factual matters, and ideas about what we ought to do. So Dawkins is explicitly saying here, ideas about what we ought to do are not matters of fact about the real world. Normative or moral ideas for which the word true and false have no meaning, he says. This is an astonishing harking back to the sort of positivist philosophy of the mid-20th century. Um, So he says in his book, Hitler and Stalin were by any standard spectacularly evil men. Okay, well, I I agree with with that, really. Um, He also says faith is an evil precisely because it requires no justification and brooks no argument. Um, What you have to keep sort of reminding yourself in the back of your mind when you read statements like this from Dawkins in context is, of course, he doesn't mean it. It's just kind of like, well, yeah, Hitler and Stalin were by any standard spectacularly evil men, but of course there's no absolute standard. Um, Faith is evil because of this, but I just mean by that that I, I don't, I'm not a person of faith and I don't like it. (laughs) Um, uh, put it in a question and answer form again how could anyone feel an intellectual obligation to agree with a movement like the new atheism that denies any objective reality to intellectual obligations they're saying um, you ought to stop being a Christian and become an atheist and here's why 
Because if I give you enough good reasons, and I'm all about being rational and defending being reasonable, then of course you ought to change your mind because you've got a responsibility to follow the evidence wherever it leads or something like this. Um, Well, not only can I not have any responsibility because I've got no free will, according to Sam Harris, um, so I can't, you know, be held blameworthy if I don't come to agree with them. Um, Also, it would seem that I don't actually have any objective, absolute obligations of any kind, including obligations to be rational. So, although they say... To be religious is to be inherently anti-rational and pro-blind faith. And to be a new atheist is to be inherently anti-blind faith and pro-being rational. There's various elements of their worldview that completely undermine a coherent belief in being rational. They define rationality in such a narrow sense that it becomes self-contradictory, at least when they're criticising religion. They say we don't have any res- any responsibility, and they say there are no obligations. Uh, <laughs> so, it's a little bit like, and that's why I love the title of this uh, Atheism's New Clothes, it's a bit like the atheists today. The, the emperor's new clothes mm-hmm. is calling on when the emperor is you know all in the all together the all together remember the song mm-hmm. I used to have the album with that song on it and the little boy points and say the emperor's Danny got no K. clothes on Danny Kay that's right yeah yeah <laughs>